So now if those children who are going to Sunday school um, would, would leave with our teachers. And the rest of us, please, could we turn in our Bibles to John chapter 10. And this is found on page 1065 in the Church Bibles. John chapter 10. And we'll read from verse 1. <clears throat> Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold, but by the, uh, sorry, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd. He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, He goes on before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. 
He flees because he is a hard hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me. Because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who was oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? At the time of the Feast of Dedication, so at that time, the Feast of the Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple, in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you did not believe. The words that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among the sheep, my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Well, now let's uh, come to God and let's ask God to help us as we consider his word together. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, thank you so much for the word that you give. And, Lord, we come before you now. We pray that you will please help us to hear your word. And we pray that you will help us to... uh, Apply your word to us. Please help me to speak your word well. And please help us all to benefit from what we hear tonight. We, this today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as you will have gathered as we've been going through uh, this service... 
the idea of God being the shepherd of his people is a theme which recurs at lots of places through the scriptures. Uh, Psalm 23, perhaps the best known psalm in the Bible, perhaps the best known passage of the Bible, opens with those famous words, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. And we read earlier as well from Psalm 100, which speaks about God uh, as the one who cares for his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. Ezekiel 34, also God rebukes the false shepherds of Israel and says that he will shepherd the people himself. Well, here in this passage that we've read, Jesus describes himself as the shepherd of God's people. He says that he is the good shepherd. Now, the very fact that Jesus describes himself as the shepherd of the people of God, that in itself shows us that he must be God himself. How can a mere human being look after all of God's people in all time and in all places? It would be impossible if he were not also God. So we see that by saying that he is the good shepherd, Jesus is saying to us that he is God. Now, what I want to do today is to draw out from this passage a number of things that we learn about Jesus, the Good Shepherd. I could go through the passage verse by verse, which I have done on other occasions, but this time I want to draw out a few themes which come out repeatedly at various points in the passage. And to, which speaks about, and, and, and see what this passage teaches us about the relationship that Jesus, the good shepherd, has with his people. Now, as I do this, I've got two aims in mind. First of all, my hope is that those who have already trusted in Jesus for salvation might be encouraged to know that they are in the hands of a loving shepherd who cares for them, who, has, who loves them, and who has provided them with salvation and who leads them and will keep them safe to the end. So I hope my hope is that if you are already a believer in Christ, you will be encouraged and strengthened in your faith. But also, I'm hoping and praying that there might be somebody, or maybe many, here this morning who have not previously trusted in Jesus for salvation, who will hear the voice of Jesus calling them. 
and will say, yes, I want Jesus to be my shepherd. I want him to be my saviour. I want him to save me from my sins. I want him to give me eternal life and to feed me and to keep me all of my days and through all of eternity. Well, uh, so then let's um, look at various themes that come out from this passage. And the first thing, the first theme which I think we can see from this passage comes out in lots of ways is that Jesus loves his sheep. Jesus loves his sheep. Uh, Look with me at uh, verse 11. Uh, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. The one who really loves the sheep. Just go back a bit earlier. Look at verse 3. It says, in the second half of that verse, the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. What an amazing and wonderful thing. Jesus knows every one of his sheep. If you have trusted in Jesus, think about that. Jesus knows you. He knows you by name. He loves you. You are special to him. How different Jesus is from the rulers of this world. The rulers of this world regard their subjects as mere statistics, mere uh, numbers. In a time of war, they regard them as not much more than cannon fodder to be sent off to the machine guns and to be mown down. All in the pursuit of the ambition of of these leaders. But not so Jesus. Jesus knows each one of his people and he cares for each one. Jesus contrasts himself with others who claim to be shepherds, but they do not love the sheep. They only want to exploit the sheep and use them for their own ends. Look back at verse 8 there. It says, All who came before me are thieves and robbers. False teachers who proclaim a different way of salvation. They are thieves and robbers. They want to steal from the sheep and exploit them and kill them. 
And there are false shepherds around today who just do just that. They exploit the sheep. They get money from the sheep. And they use the sheep for their own ends and for their own purposes to try to uh, to try to make themselves, they make themselves rich at the expense of God's sheep. But Jesus is not one of those. Jesus is not one to exploit the sheep. Jesus loves the sheep and does good to them. And so he says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And the love that Jesus shows for the sheep is shown by the fact that he laid down his life for them. Here, verse 11, it's, look at verse 11, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. By contrast, the hired hand, who has no love for the sheep, runs away when he sees trouble coming. Verse 12, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not love his own, love, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. There are those people who claim to be shepherds. They claim to love the people of God. But when they see trouble coming, they just run away. But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus instead laid down his life for the sheep. Look at verses 14 and 15. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus loves the sheep, and he lays down his life for them. And uh, again, verse 17. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. No one forced Jesus to lay down his life. No one, you know, caused Jesus to involuntarily die on the cross. Not at all. At any moment, Jesus could have prevented his death. At any moment, like he said when, when Peter tried to intervene, he said, Do you not know I could call on my father and he would send legions of angels to come and rescue me? He could have stopped himself dying. He could have come down from the cross if he'd wanted to. But he chose not to. Why? 
because he loved the sheep. He preferred for himself to go through terrible agony than for his sheep to go through agony. Because he knew that the only way that his sheep could be saved from torment in hell was through him laying down his life. And so rather than see his sheep suffer, rather than see them go to hell, he went, he, he, he went through hell himself on that cross in order to save his sheep. This is the love that he has. What great love that he should be willing to lay down his life for the sheep. As John says in his letter, our first letter, chapter 4, verse 9, he says, in this the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. What love. What amazing love that Jesus, the shepherd of his sheep, should come and lay down his life for the sheep that they may be saved. When did Jesus start loving his sheep? When did God the Father start loving you if you are a believer in Jesus Christ? Do you know when he started loving you? He started loving you before the creation of the world. That's what it says. Ephesians 1 verse 4. He chose us in him before the creation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. And when will God stop loving you? Is there ever a time that he will stop loving you if you belong to him? Never. Never. What, even if I sin? No, not even if you sin. If you fail as a Christian? No, not even if you fail as a Christian. Because it's an everlasting love. I have loved you, says God, with an everlasting love. Nothing can stop God from loving you. You are incapable of stopping God from loving you. Did you know that? And nobody else can stop God from loving you either, if you belong to him. The devil would love to stop God from loving you. And he throws accusations and, 
about you at God's throne all the time. And God won't listen to a single one if you belong to him. Because nothing, nothing can separate the true believer from the love of God. Are you a Christian? Have you trusted in Jesus, your Saviour? Does the devil come along to you sometimes and say, Ah, oh, does that God really love you? Look at you. Look how poor you are. Look how ill you are. How can you say that God loves you? Does that happen to you? It happens to lots of people I know. If you're ever tempted to think that, look at Jesus on the cross by faith. And once you look at Jesus on that cross, you say, no, of course he loves me. Because he laid down his life for me. He paid for my sins. Of course he loves me. And then remember how God has borne with you with all the times you've backslidden as a Christian, all the times you've failed him, all the times you've, you've, you've allowed doubts to come in, and yet he still loves you. Of course he loves you. And here's a message, a wonderful message to anybody who is not yet a believer in Christ. Do you feel unloved? Do you feel misunderstood? Do you feel like you've got no friends in this world? Maybe even your, your nearest parent, your parents maybe, or your own children despise you. Your husband walked out on you. Your wife has gone off with some other bloke. You think, who loves me in this world? Well, here is somebody who will love you. And who will never let you down. Who will never desert you. Jesus. I found a friend. Oh such a friend. He loved me. Eh. Whatever it is. That before I even started. He's a friend. A friend of sinners. Come to Jesus. That you might experience. His love. So Jesus, the good shepherd, loves his sheep. Secondly, Jesus, the good shepherd, saves his sheep. Look at verse, if you've got your Bible open, otherwise just listen. You don't have to have the Bible open to follow. But if you've got your Bible open, John 10, Jesus says, If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And go in and out and find pasture. Saved. What does that mean, saved? Well, it means to be rescued from terrible danger. In our natural state, we need to be saved. And the reason why we need to be saved is that we were created by God 
And we were told by God how we should live. He was given us his perfect laws, summarized by the two great commandments. I'm sure many of us will know these two great commandments. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But we've not done so, have we? Instead of loving God, we've loved created things, idols, whether they be personalities, our own pride, money, whatever it is, we, homes, we've loved things rather than God. And instead of loving other people as we should have loved other people, we've dishonored parents, we've had hateful thoughts of people, We've got angry, we've been bitter, untruthful, unfaithful, lying, stealing, being sexually immoral. This is how we are, isn't it? None of us can deny it. We're all corrupt. And because of our sins, we deserve to be judged by God. God is going to judge us all. We are accountable to him. And the judgment that we deserve is to go to hell for the wrong things we've done. And we can't stop that from happening. We can't save ourselves because we can never pay for all the wrong we've done. Because we are slaves of sin. And even... As we go about our daily lives, we carry on sinning. But Jesus, the good shepherd, came in order to save his sheep. Jesus loved his sheep. He came into the world and he laid down his life for the sheep. Now that verse I read in 1 John a moment ago had a big word in it which we don't use very often in modern day English. It's the word propitiation. What does that mean? Propitiation. Propitiation. A propitiation is a sacrifice that turns away anger. See, God is angry with men because of their sin. We all deserve judgment because of our sin. But for the sheep, what has happened is that the wrath of God, which should have gone down onto them, has been diverted Onto Jesus. It's been turned aside onto Jesus. That anger of God, which was focusing down upon men for their sins, for the sheep of the Lord, it's gone onto Jesus. And Jesus has borne the wrath of God against the sins of the sheep. He laid down his life. For the sheep. And so that's how the sheep can be saved. And that's how anybody who 
will come to Jesus and hear his voice and trust in him will be saved because he bore the sins of those who trust in him. And so the result is that having been saved, the sheep have life. Hear that verse again which you read a moment ago. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. In a natural state, we're spiritually dead. In a natural state, we're alienated from God. We have no life. But Jesus came, the good shepherd came to save his sheep and to give to them life where they were dead. So the one who comes to Jesus, his or her eyes are opened. They see the truth. They see the truth about God. They see the truth about their own sin. They see the truth about Jesus. And what happens also is that the Lord gives the gift of repentance and the gift of faith so that this person now comes to Jesus and trusts in Jesus for salvation. This person now has a new heart. This person now wants to serve God. He or she wants to overcome sin and has the power to do so. The life of God is living in that person. And this is a life which cannot be destroyed. Verse 28, Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. When do you receive eternal life? When does a person receive eternal life? A lot of people think that eternal life is what you get when you die. If you've lived a good life. That's what I used to think when I was a child. Try to live a good life. And if you've lived a good life, then when you die, you get eternal life. But no. God gives eternal life now. When you trust in Jesus. Earlier in the gospel, in chapter 5, verse 24, it's recorded that it says that Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has crossed over from death to life. This is something which is misunderstood by so many people. They see the Christian life as a sort of probationary period. You come to Jesus and trust Jesus to be your saviour, in their eyes. And then what you've got to do is you've got to live a good life. And if you live a good life through the rest of your life, then 
you'll be promoted to heaven when you die. But if you don't live a good life through the rest of your life, then you lose your salvation. No. The person who trusts in Jesus is saved forever. Saved, as Hebrew says, to the uttermost. Forever and ever. Because of what the shepherd has done. The shepherd has saved that one. Have you trusted in Jesus for salvation? Well, be strong in the grace of God. The devil might come to you and say, Oh, what sort of a Christian do you think you are? What makes you think you're going to go to heaven? And you say, You can say, if you trust in Jesus, Yes, I'm a terrible Christian. Much worse than what you say I am. But I'm going to go to heaven because somebody has paid for my sins and that person is Jesus. I've been saved, not by my works, but I've been saved by Jesus. And when you say that back to the devil, he has to flee. He can't stand. He's lost his armor because his armor is accusation. So, if you've trusted Jesus, be strong in your salvation. Now, but what if you've not yet trusted in Jesus for salvation? Well, here's good news for you. You can be saved. Today, you can be saved. Right now, in this room, you can be saved. You don't have to go through any rigmarole. You don't have to improve your life. You don't have to even get baptized in order to be saved. You get baptized afterwards. You could be saved right now where you are. Because Jesus has done what's necessary for you to be saved. Hear that verse, verse, verse 9 again. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And we'll go in and out and find pasture. Anyone. Murderers. Rapists. People of other religions. Anyone. Who comes. Who enters by Jesus. Will be saved. Okay so that's the second thing. Jesus saves his sheep. Thirdly, we've seen Jesus loves his sheep. Jesus saves his sheep. And now thirdly, Jesus leads his sheep. Go back to verse 3. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. And leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Jesus leads his sheep, and the sheep follow. 
He's going on ahead. A bit different from what we see today, because what you see today is you have the sheep, the shepherds have sheepdogs, don't they? And the, shepherd, the sheepdogs push the sheep ahead of the shepherd. But no, in those days, the shepherd would go ahead of the sheep. And what would lead the sheep to follow him would be the voice. They hear the voice of the shepherd and they follow the shepherd. And that's the analogy that Jesus uses. And again, he says, he says uh, later on, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture, as we saw earlier in verse 9. Now, this is an echo of Psalm 23, which we referred to earlier and which we sang earlier. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Jesus leads his sheep. Sheep go astray, don't they? Sheep get lost very easily. They go wandering off. They go down the wrong path. But Jesus, the good shepherd, finds his sheep and brings them back and puts them back onto the path. This is the wonderful thing about about being one of Jesus' people because what happens is he doesn't let you stay in sin. Many of us who are in this room have experienced times of backsliding. Times when we've wandered from the Lord, sometimes got quite deeply into sin. But what we have found is that when that happens, we get extremely uncomfortable, extremely unhappy. There's, there's a saying, there's nobody more miserable than a backslidden Christian. And this is the difference between a true Christian who's backslidden and a false Christian who wanders from their profession. Because the false Christian says, oh, I'm fine. Ever since I stopped being Christian, I'm fine. Everything's great for me. But the Christian who backslides can't find any peace until he or she comes back to Christ. He leads me. He guides me. Sometimes he disciplines your rod and your staff, Psalm 23, they comfort me. It's a sore comfort because it's the rod of discipline. But it's a comfort nonetheless because it brings you back to fellowship with God. Have you trusted Jesus for salvation? Is he your shepherd? Well, follow him. Do you want an easy life as a Christian? Obey him. Don't be stubborn. Don't be disobedient. Perhaps there's something in your life which you are clinging on to. Perhaps there is some sin that you are nurturing as a Christian. You trusted the Lord, but there's an area in your life that you're not prepared to yield. 
You'll never be happy until you give way. Obey him. Let him lead you. Don't be stubborn. You know that saying, stubborn as an ox. Is that what you are? Stubborn as an ox. You won't move. No. No. Be gentle and pliable. Be amenable. What does amenable mean? It means you can be led. Be someone who can be led by Jesus. Who will be led by Jesus. Psalm 32 verses 8 and 9. God says to his people, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be like the horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bitten bridle, or it will not stay near you. Don't be stubborn. Let me teach you. Let me lead you. If you're a believer, heed the voice of Jesus through his word and by his spirit so that you may know his blessing. Now, what's the word to somebody who's not a believer at this point? Well, hear the voice of Jesus. He, perhaps there is somebody here in this room tonight, this morning, and Jesus is speaking to you right now. He's saying, through this sermon, believe in me. Trust me for salvation. Don't be stubborn. Don't dig your heels in. No, I'm not going to. not going to. No, no, don't do that. Yield to him. Hear his voice. Let him lead you. Don't harden your heart. Come to him. So we've seen then that Jesus loves his sheep. We've seen that he saves his sheep. We've seen that he leads his sheep. Last thing is, we see that Jesus keeps his sheep. Look now at verse 27 of John 10. He says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. I, my Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Now this really is the inevitable consequence of all we've seen this morning. Those who are the sheep of Jesus hear his voice. They come to him. Jesus gives them eternal life. They will never perish. No one can prize the sheep of Jesus out of his hand. He's got this grip on the sheep. And no one can prize the fingers of Jesus apart. He's holding his sheep tight. And God the Father, who gave the sheep to Jesus, is greater than all. God, almighty God, has said about the sheep, they are his, they belong to Jesus. 
No one can go against what Almighty God says. And no one, then Jesus says, no one can snatch the sheep out of the Father's hand. The Father also has his almighty grip upon the sheep. So you've got two hands holding the sheep. You've got the hand of Jesus holding the sheep. And you've got the hand of almighty God holding the sheep. And Jesus says he and the Father are one. So the sheep are completely safe and secure in the hands of Almighty God and in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you a believer? Well, rejoice in the safety that you have and serve God with confidence and with joy. Have you up till now not been a believer? Well, run into the arms of Jesus that he may hold you tight, that you may be safe in him, that you might experience the comfort of the love of God. And I'm reminded just as I'm speaking now of, of the tender words of that are in Isaiah 40, which speak about the, the great love of God. Isaiah 40, verse 11. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. God would have hold you in his hands. He'd gather you into his bosom. He'd, he'd hold you tight and keep you tight forever. This is what God is offering to you, to know his love and his security. Come to him. You can't, you can't lose by coming to Jesus. You might lose things in this world. You might lose friends. You might lose family. You might lose your money. You might lose your physical life. But so what? Because you have the love of God keeping you safe so let us hear the word of the Lord Jesus one Jesus loves his sheep number two he saves his sheep number three he leads his sheep and number four he keeps his sheep safe if you are a believer rejoice and be glad and know the love of God. Not yet a believer? Come to him. Look to him. Trust in him that you might experience his great love. Well, let's uh, perhaps have a, just a moment of quiet before we sing our last hymn. Uh, and I would encourage you in this quiet time to pray to the Lord. Say, Lord, save me. Be my shepherd. Come to him. And if, you are, if he is already your shepherd, then be glad.
give thanks to him. So let's have a few moments of quiet before we sing our last hymn.